All right, church, just to clear things up, uh, the Lord has sent our minister uh, to the East Coast to preach. So if you're here visiting or watching online, I am not the minister at the Christian Church of Mantino, but we welcome you in nonetheless and hope and pray that you find uh, this church something that you might want to participate in, a place that you might want to visit, and a place certainly that you can find the Word of God preached and taught. Today is um, going to be a little different. I want to start reading Matthew 16, verse 26. Matthew 16, verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Well, this morning I'm going to tell you that uh, I'm going to share some words with you from a convicted felon. And right about now you may be saying, wait a minute, this is about Jesus, a felon on Sunday morning? I hope Creighton's going to come through that side door and, and fix this. No, it, it's all right. It is about Jesus. But this man who had a nickname called the Hatchet Man, he's got something to say to us today. This criminal had power. He had prestige. He ran in the most elite, powerful circles probably in the world. So what corrupted him? Power? A sense of invincibility? Or maybe he just did not have the ability to decide what was right and what was wrong. Well, he was caught, and he got uh, sentenced after creating a lie and deception and trying to point authority somewhere else. He served seven months, and then he was released. Charles Chuck Colson of the President Nixon Dirty Trick Squad is the felon of whom I'm speaking this morning. During his prison stay, he found faith in God. When he was released, he dedicated the rest of his life to serving in prison ministries here in the States and worldwide. His legacy lives on today. Mr. Colson has uh, since departed this earth and has received his reward, uh, I'm quite sure. In the late 90s, he wrote a book that was entitled, How Now Shall We Live? It talks about a word that we hear occasionally, but not too often anymore, and that's called worldview. Well, what is a worldview? We're going to talk about that. Before we go further, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this first day of the week. We thank you, Lord, that we can come in here with freedom and without fear of being persecuted this morning. For our men and women that are wearing uniforms across this globe and serving to protect us one and all, we praise you and thank you. And this morning we ask, Father, that you bring them home swiftly. You bring them home in one piece. And you bring them home with their heads up high, with victory and a home that awaits them. We also pray for our farmers, Lord, at this time of harvest. It's dangerous. They're busy. They're bringing in the food supplies for our nation and the world. As we get impatient behind the combines and the grain tractors and the grain haulers, Lord, let us just take a breath and remember that we need that food. And if they don't get to where they're going, we will be hungry. And hunger is not a good thing for us. You know that. Bless this morning's service. Bless the word and the message that I'm going to try and give. May it bring honor and glory to you. Father, we also want to pray this morning. A sister of ours had to leave Sue Ship to go tend to an aunt who is ill. And it is our prayer this morning, Father, that you be with the family, be with them as they have to make decisions, and give them that peace and comfort that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is a worldview? Well, I was thinking about it, 
And you know how when you're driving down the highway this time of year and you see all the beautiful trees, you go, oh man, look at the reds and look at the yellows and the greens. Isn't that just beautiful? Boy, God's handiwork with that uh, paintbrush in the sky and on the mountains. And then you get home and everyone in the car, mom and dad and the kids, see a pile of leaves and you go, oh man. No, that's a point of view. Your point of view was it was beautiful when you were driving by it, but when they're in your yard, that's a lot of hard work you have to do. That's a point of view. It's not a worldview. I read a report or heard a report recently, and it said the IRS had received this letter from a man who said he just couldn't sleep. He had cheated and lied on his tax return last year, so he enclosed a check for $150. He thought, good guy, right? Well, the note went on to read uh, that if he still had trouble sleeping, he'd send a check in for the balance later on. <laughs> That's a worldview. The worldview says, I'm entitled to mine and the government can't take from me, okay? It's not a Christian worldview, and today we are going to focus on the Christian or biblical worldview. So let me try and define it at least as I can. A worldview is a lens or a filter that everything we hear, see, do, touch, read, everything we let into our minds, our eyes and our ears, be it a sermon on radio or TV, it gets processed through this filter. And the intent of the filter is it brings God and His truth to the forefront and it puts man's attempt to alter that truth into the garbage bin. We need this worldview. You guys remember, some of you may not, something that was called the Viewmaster? It, you had these little wheels with pictures on it and you clicked it, right? Oh my gosh, and it was color for me. We didn't have color TV back then, so to actually see the, the mountains in the different states in there, that was pretty cool. Well, what's interesting about that is our eyes were focused so intently on that picture that was before us. That's all we could see was what was in that little device. Well, God's Word has the same abilities. It allows us to see God's will more clearly. Biblical worldview. You know, uh, Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Well, if mom and dad have this biblical Christian worldview, you can think of that as the foundation or the teacher's assistant for training up the child in that way. You think, well, let's explain just a little bit. Kids in their why years, right? Come wash your hands, why? Bedtime, why? Do your homework, why? That, that's kids. Spend that question of why and explain why mom and dad read the Bible. Why mom and dad believe the word of God. Why mom and dad say it is important that we tell the truth in this house. That helps them to understand how they live in that house. Now, they're not going to be able to understand a biblical worldview, but they will understand that mom and dad don't believe that you were created out of a pond, that God created you lovingly and for a purpose, because mom and dad believe that and they taught you. These things are important to, to bring the kids up in. A worldview encompasses everything that has and will happen. Here's another way of looking at a worldview. It's putting your belief system into use. It's application of everything that you believe, putting it into use. Don't panic. A worldview only gets difficult to have when we interject falsehoods and confuse what man said about with what God said. So as long as we keep that out of there, our worldview is good. Mr. Colson has three questions that must be answered, and they're the foundation for every believer's worldview. Three are. Number one, how did we get here? Number two, what went wrong? And number three, how can we fix it? 
Pretty simple questions, aren't they? Let's start with number one. How did we get here? How we answer that question, don't just leap off the, the page with me here, has a lot to say about what we think about God. And it really only has two answers. We either came from pond scum or a loving and creating God. There's really no other way, well, maybe a cosmic boom that happened somewhere in a, a distant galaxy. I'm not sure. Let's see what God says. Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created him. For us, that's enough. For the world, they say no. No, we don't, we don't believe in God. Revelation 4, verse 11, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. We're here because God desired it. Okay? Colossians 1.16 For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. This is how we got here, not why we're here. Okay? There's a claim that says we evolved from a pond over millions of years. That's a worldview. It's unproven. It cannot be reproduced scientifically, which is one of the uh, guiding forces in science. You have to be able to reproduce it. And to my knowledge, there is not a verified report of a human being coming out of a stagnant pond in one form or another of human life form. It hasn't happened, no matter what they claim. So it's not scientifically right. But it also is a religion to some. It's a religion because they will not accept God. They will not accept creation, so there has to be some other source. So we must have evolved out of a pond or something. Question two, what went wrong? Whew, boy, we got a list there, don't we? Uh, it was the war, it was the 60s, it's drugs, it's crime, it's the government, mom and dad. There's all kinds of things that obviously went wrong. God, through the book of Romans, made it pretty clear. Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Disobedience, pride, sin. Look, there's no ism. There's no underlying unknown explanation as to what went wrong, okay? The world, though, takes a different viewpoint. Friedrich Nietzsche said, To blaspheme the earth is now the most dreadful sin, and to rate the heart of the unknowable higher than the meaning of the earth. Now, this uh, wonderful philosopher, Nietzsche, was born in 1844, and he was convinced that traditional values represented a slave morality, a morality created by weak and resentful individuals who encouraged behaviors such as gentleness and kindness. We heard that. Christians use their faith as a crutch, that, that they're just weak people. That's been out there recently going on. Because the behavior served their interests, he claimed new values could be created to replace the old ones. Well, then I guess the values don't hold much value, do they? If your value gets to be rewritten at every turn of the century or at every whim, then there is no value. You might call that that is relativism. Is it happening today? Yeah, it is. We hear all the, the terms, it's 2020, it's this century, it's that century, it's our right. A worldview that denies sin will soon be found unreliable and unsustainable. There are religion and worldviews that deny Christ. They deny creation, they deny sin. They also offer no hope. 
and they offer no answers to the questions, and they don't make sense, and they just flat don't work. If you remember our small group study, uh, The Case for Christ, whether you read the book or not, uh, it was about Lee Strobel, an investigative reporter for a Chicago paper, and he set out once and for all to prove that God did not exist. And we know how that ended, right? He got to see, the wife got to see him baptized. Well, he changed his worldview. His worldview started out, God did not exist, to his biblical Christian worldview that God, in fact, did exist, that he sent his son into the world, and he saved Lee Strobel. As they say, the truth can set you free, right? Question three, how can we fix this? Well, there's two options. Repairs made to what has gone wrong can be made internally or externally. You can probably guess the internally. Change the human heart. The Great Commission is a great place to start with changing the human heart. Or utopianism. I'll break that down. Isms. What other isms go with utopia? Socialism, communism, Marxism. Um, if we could just build a perfect society, well, everything had worked then. Well, we've tried that, and it ended with millions of deaths. It ended with confiscation of personal property. It ends with uh, population control. It doesn't work. We can't build and never will build a utopian society. It's not going to happen. How we answer that question, how do we fix it, what went wrong, that says what we think of ourselves. If we have a worldview that says we got here by evolution, but somehow we can fix the problems that we created, we're our own little G-God. We're operating in our own, own little world, and I'll tell you this morning, you're a bit delusional, because that view has never worked, and it's not going to work in the future either. I do have to admit, though, sometimes we do feel like we fixed it, that we've managed to, to correct what went wrong, but we find out in due time we did miss the mark. We, we've only put a Band-Aid on the wound. If we have a biblical worldview, we acknowledge our inabilities and surrender to the Creator God. We accept His plan and work with the Holy Spirit to mend hearts and broken spirits. Bringing them back to God is the mending that is needed to fix what went wrong. What if we had the Master's view? Imagine the things we could see. Why do we need a worldview? I can bring this up on this piece of technology here. There was a headline that caught my eye yesterday or sometime. The uh, young lady that's been nominated to the Supreme Court, I'm not promoting or anything political up here. The headline says, the Amy Coney Barretts must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society. I'll be honest with you, I don't know what that means. Removed from our society? Prosecuted? Convicted? Why? Because she's a woman of faith? Because she endorses traditional godly marriage? Why? Removed from society. That's a different worldview, folks. We, we don't align with that thinking. And whether or not you admit it, you have a worldview by what you allow in your house, what you allow in your car, what you allow in your family, the music you listen to, the books that you read or download, I guess, today, the church you attend, and the Bible that you carry. It's all part of it. This lens or filter that we have that is our worldview, it can get distorted and it's often distorted by our emotions. There is a denomination of people who believe that the utmost important thing to do is to care for those that are hurting. 
for those that are hungry, for those that are homeless. God bless them, they're right, that's huge. But they will turn a blind eye to abortion. That's something else down the road. Right now we need to feed this person that's hungry, that life that is about to be slaughtered, we'll take care of later. There is no later with that issue, okay? So our emotions can get in the way and get distorted. What if you had someone that's currently in prison and you think that the, the sentencing was just so unfair and laws need to be changed? Your, your emotions may not agree with what the laws are. Marriage. Look, man, if your worldviews are not in harmony, you're going to struggle. If our approach is, man, it just feels right. I know it. I know in my heart it feels right. That's not biblical. Okay? That's emotion. You're not standing on a scriptural foundation here. All you're going on is something that's pulling on your heart that says it feels right. It feels good. And remember always, the fruit of the Spirit includes self-control. And as we said in our Sunday class this morning, God does expect His children to keep their emotions in control. Tell you a little story here. I had a friend years ago, we were having this discussion. Her daughter suffered from a rare disease and it would cause painful brain tumors, um, debilitating tumors. There was talk of this new uh, breakthrough, a treatment that was just right around the corner. So we were talking, you know, there's got to be risks, there's got to be danger. Would you allow her uh, to go through with this? And all the headlines were that it was going to extend life, that it was actually, it was a cure. And if not pain-free, it would be so reduced. It was just going to be this wonderful thing. Well, yeah, when you read things like that, there's a catch, right? Well, well, there was. And this is where her worldview met reality. It was developed using aborted fetal cells. And her decision was no, without reservation. She would not permit the use of that sinfully obtained research for the benefit of her or her daughter. Her daughter was in 100% agreement with that because she was raised in a Christian home with Christian values and a moral view of what was right and wrong based on Scripture. And just by the way, her dad suffered unto his death from that very disease. She saw it, she lived with her dad, and the decision was, no, I will not partake in that kind of treatment. Lord willing, we never have to face that kind of crisis. That's awful. But before we can, before we're able to process something like that, we've got to get our worldview going, and we have to put it in practice. We have to. This morning we talked about leaving room for God. That's what this is. Because we think something, let's compare it to the Word of God. Is it correct? Let God and the Holy Spirit massage our worldview. Because I'm telling you, we can be easily fooled into making a bad choice, or even worse, abandoning the Lord for some crazy philosophy or a man-made idol. So the easy thing here, right, we're all students of the Lord's teachings. All we have to do is imitate Jesus' worldview. Easy peasy, we're done. Have a good day. Probably not so easy as that. Is there a better term than worldview for Jesus? I think there is. I think Jesus had a kingdom view. We have a worldview. Jesus had a kingdom view. I'll tell you what the difference is here in a little bit. I'm asking you to go through this exercise of asking the three questions. How do we get here? What went wrong? And how can we fix it? And bring that into your life's thinking. Every decision you make, everything you process, bring it through those three questions and start adding things through it. So if I ask you to do that, there's got to be a piece of pie at the end of this exercise or, or value of some kind, right? Well, there are just benefits. You've got a firm scriptural foundation to build upon no matter what comes your way. The worldview, a biblical Christian-based worldview, gives you the ability to diagnose truth 
and what is good virtually on the fly because it's your filter. You, you know. One of the things for me is time. I never have enough time. And in this age of podcasts and downloads and, and websites and radio programs, if you have this world filter and you download that podcast, you can immediately say, that's not right. Delete it. Go on to something more valuable. You pick up a book and you read the forward, go, oh, that's not scriptural. Close the book and buy something else. This is where your worldview comes into play. What about TV? You turn on the TV and you see a program coming on, you go, oh, no, 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 off. Because that's not fitting within your worldview. It will always constantly apply your faith-based principles, no matter how stressed you are. When you develop a Christian worldview, you will always apply them, no matter the circumstances. So, are there any applications in the near term for exercising this? Yes, right around the corner. Voting. It's absolutely legal to bring your Bible and your faith into the voting booth, and I urge you to do just that. What about um, helping others? Because we're right around the corner. The holidays are coming, and you know that's when churches get together and say, let's go feed the homeless, let's go do this, and, and get something going for them. Is that enough, or is it the government's job? What about if I give that man on the corner on the ramp $5 and just give him cash? Is that enough? I want us to remember when we're doing these acts of kindness that these homeless people, these hungry people, these drug addicts, have just as much value in God's eyes as you and I do, okay? So if it's enough for us to go help a brother or sister in church with a meal and cut the grass and shovel their driveway or whatever the case might be, then maybe handing $5 to a man is not enough on a cold winter's night. Maybe we can go an extra step. Maybe the church body can do something a little more this year during the holidays because our hearts are primed to do something a little more during the holidays and help to elevate how people think of themselves and let them know that they have value. You go to a movie. I'm going to submit to you that if you're going to go to a movie, I don't know if you can, I don't do movies, if the theaters are open or closed, but I guess you have Netflix and other things in your house, and you click on that and there's an R on it, I'm going to tell you that means either retreat or repent. It doesn't mean to play, okay? Because your biblical worldview does not allow that material into your house. It does not edify the church. It does nothing to glorify God. Filter your entertainment through this. Medical treatment, treatments, medical decisions, adoptions, abortion, debt, entertainment, all affected by your worldview. Start putting it through that filter. A little bit ago I mentioned Jesus and his worldview. Let me read some scripture uh, about his worldview. I'm going to flip to Matthew 28, 19 to start. Matthew 28, 19. All nations are his. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How about John 8, 12? We are not the source of light. We can only attempt to reproduce it. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. That's Jesus. Jesus is above and beyond this world. John 18, 36, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. In Galatians, 4, or Galatians 6, excuse me, verse 14, Paul shares, Be it far from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The world has been crucified to me, crucified, nailed on the cross, dead, right? Crucified. 
The world to me is dead, and I to the world am dead. The world doesn't have a lot of value, okay? How about um, the world? 1 Timothy 1.15 tells us that it's full of sinners. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come down here to pat us on the back and say, Oh, well done, people. You guys are outstanding citizens of the world. No, he came here to save sinners, of which we are. And we end this point with this verse, 2 John 1, 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and antichrist. So you see, you and I, we need this worldview. Jesus, however, had and continues to have a kingdom view. His filter was and is obeying the Father's will. We struggle over where to go eat. We can't possibly filter everything through the Father's will. We're sinners. He knows it. So the worldview helps us to stay on track, helps us to focus, helps us to take both eyes, look forward through our little view master, and see the master's view by being obedient unto the word of God. John 17 is the high priestly prayer. And I've got a few verses I want to quickly share with you there. If you want to flip with me, John 17. We're going to start with verse 4. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you they gave them to me and they have kept your word. Verses 15 through 18. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. People can and do come out of this world and enter into His kingdom. That's our job. Part of it. That's what we're supposed to do. We read there in uh, verses 15 through 18 that we are indeed in the world. It says, so I have sent them into the world in verse 18. But it's not our home. As the song says, we're just a passing through. Right? It's not our home. Don't be content to stay here. The second half of verse 21 tells us that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's what it's all about. It's what our worldview is. That if the world can see Jesus in us, maybe the world can believe. In our country, we're looking for something to heal and to restore what is broken and in some cases forgotten, like manners, healthy families, kindness, these so many killings that are in the news. We're looking diligently for something that will help us to make sense of this world and prepare for eternity. The church, me and you, we're supposed to be salt and light, right? We are. But we also need to become the consciousness of our community. An example of living within biblical morality and the blessings that accompany that decision. Those that are in the world, they seek these Far East religions, new wave thoughts, exotic things, and they're trying to fill their needs and their reason for life. I have a question for you today. Where are the Christians? Why are we not being chased in the doors on Sunday morning by those that are seeking purpose and answers in their life? 
Only Christianity offers those answers to their question. Princeton University's first president declared, cursed be all learning that is contrary to the Word of God. Yeah, Princeton University, the same one that is today. Their first motto, under God's power, she flourishes. 87% of our nation's founding fathers graduated from that school and had that point of view. You wouldn't know it today. We're living in a postmodern culture. Maybe that's why, right? There's three options that are available to us. We can be separationalists. We can just go hide and hope for the best. Or we can become identificationalists. There we go. Just become part of the fabric. Just kind of melt in to society. Or we can become transformationalists. And that's my prayer and desire for us to become. Transforming the culture to be God-honoring. Transforming the family, the villages and cities we live in to be beacons of hope. Transforming souls from lost to citizens of God's kingdom. Now this is not a piggyback to Creighton's message. But you can see that if we have a solid biblical worldview as he teaches us and leads us through discipleship, what an impact that can help as he is leading us through that. There's got to be a reason for this, and it comes from John 18, 37. If you wanted to flip over a page or so to that, John 18, 37, that's where we get the power behind this Christian worldview. It says clearly, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. That's the power. A biblical worldview is based on truth. It is truth. And if you go down to 38, you find the response that we hear today too. Pilate asked, what is truth? Only Christianity presents the real reason for the moral dilemma of our society. It's sin. There's only one worldview that can take people from a lost state and bring them into a saved state. That's Christianity. Narcissism, naturalism, materialism, relativism, Christianity is the only one that makes sense and gives hope for the now and the hereafter. When we fail to recognize that it's sin and its remedy is truth, chaos results. I'm going to give you a definition of truth. It's from Ravi Zacharias. A preacher friend of mine has used this for years and it has stuck with me ever since because I think it makes sense. And no, he and I do not agree with all of Ravi's uh, teachings. But... Here's his definition of truth. Truth is that which affirms propositionally reality as it is, not reality as it's perceived. That's truth. Let me give you a problem today. Marriage and the home. Who created marriage in the Old Testament and New Testament? God. It's God's creation. 80% of unwed mothers without a diploma will end up in poverty. 80%. Only 8% of those with a diploma a husband, and who wait to give birth until age 20 will end up in poverty. A 72% increase. God instituted the home. You can read about that in Ephesians and, and 1 Peter. Old-fashioned? Maybe. But it still works today. More money, more programs, more entitlements. It won't fix the moral crisis in our nation. Christianity provides real answers because it does not deal with the symptoms. The blood of Jesus deals with the cure. We need to live our worldview every day in real life situations instead of just compartmentalizing it on Sunday mornings. It can change our city, it can change our nation, but it has to start with us, me and you. Christianity offers salvation 
and it's the only salvation that's based on historical truths, the good news of what God has already done. I'm not going to ask you to suspend your, your rationale or logical understanding of how life works to become a Christian or a follower of Jesus. Truth is, Christianity is an intellectual faith, and it requires critical thinking from every one of us. Truths found in Scripture can be believed because they make sense. Literal hell, literal heaven, literal resurrection. Jesus came to bear the truth. I want to close with a thought. A biblical worldview helps us to get along with the unlikable, to serve alongside other believers who may not be exactly like you and I are, to reach out to those that are trapped in horrible sin, to forgive and to share hope when it would seem like hope is not even the same zip code. So I'm asking you to dust off your thinking caps. I'm asking you to apply biblical truth to answer the three questions. How did we get here? What went wrong? And what can we do to fix it? Maybe you have a worldview, and you say, I've already done this. Great, God bless you. Continue to pour things into that filter. Maybe your filter is a little off skew, and you need to make some scriptural adjustments to it. Start that today. Let's pray. Father, we know that there are competing views in the world. Many of them exclude you. Many of them are outright hostile to you. And Lord, the church has at times lost her voice and at times has lost her backbone. But Father, we know and we believe the gates of hell, hell will not prevail against her. And we know, Father, that through love and kindness and grace, we can find that voice and share the good news with those that you place before us. Lord, let us filter everything that comes into our lives as though you were sitting right beside us, watching the same movies, reading the same books, looking at the same things on the internet. Let us not have secrets from you, from our spouse, or from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us endorse a biblical Christian worldview of everything, and let us be the change for the community. Let us raise the truth and the value thereof. It. Let us praise biblical morality. Let us praise the honest, good, hard-working Christians that are in our world today. Through it, Father, may we bring honor and glory to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.